0: The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Let's get into the word. I'm going to jump in, and um, this is going to be fun. We're going to end our series right now. We've been doing Thank God He Made Me So Awesome, and this is the last week of it. And so we're actually going to talk a little bit this week about actually how to unlock it. How do you step forward in what God's called them to do? and They're struggling all the time in different areas, whether they're struggling in uh, mindset things or or emotional things or uh, faith and belief, you know, I don't know if God really wants to do anything in my life, maybe I'm not good enough, like what Nicole said, there's things that we struggle with to try to move forward, and you see, years in, somebody's like, oh, I want to do this, but I've just never felt like I could actually go for it, like I could really do it, I could step up, but someday I'll be ready, someday I'll be ready, right, that's like me with exercise, right, someday I'll be ready. And thanks to Matt back here, who you cannot get away from him challenging you when he's here. He's going to say, oh, hey, I had this great idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's that? He goes, how about exercise? Good idea, Matt. Good idea. He's always trying to rope me in. I think this time he actually got me this morning. And I say, I think so, because I'm here. I'm not home where I have to practice it. But I'm pretty sure he's got me into it's walking or running a mile and doing 25 burpees a day for the next month. And I said, I can burp the alphabet if I drink a whole, like, soda. Does that count? (laughs) And he said, no. So I think I'm going to be exercising. So be ready for that. But it's unlocking what you intend to do, but you never actually get done, right? And we need a way to do that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And it's not going to be complicated. We're going to stay in one passage of the Bible, um, and we're just going to talk about what Jesus said. Jesus made it really, really simple in John 15. So here we go. I am the true vine, and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it to make it even more fruitful. So stop there for a second. Jesus is saying that if you are somebody that's one of my disciples, you're one of my followers, that his father, so God does the work, of pruning and working on our lives in order to help to remove things and to help us to bear fruit and to do that if any gardeners in here at all anybody has like fruit trees or garden stuff or you've ever been a part of that how much work does the actual plant do like you ever go out there to pick some fruit and it's like oh man i just got done making that like i literally just made that orange like you're gonna pull i like i just got that done after all my hard work, I can't hold it for a little while. The plant is just sitting there. It's just being, but it's rooted and it's drawing in and it's growing from that. And it's the gardener that goes out and cuts and prunes and pulls things away in order to cause it to be fruitful. Okay, so well, how do we become fruitful in our life? How do we get the things that God's put in us to grow? He's put these things in us. We're all fearfully and wonderfully made. God's given each, each of us a different talent, and ability, some type of gifting. He's given us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. All these things are supposed to come out of our life. Well, how do we actually get it to come out? Because I've been trying. Part of the problem sometimes as believers is that we try too much. We try too hard. We put so much striving and so much work into it that it actually kind of exhausts us. And how many people are really patient and really joyful when you're exhausted? Anybody? I got a few. There's a few in my family that are amazing when they're exhausted. One of my daughters, Cami—not the other Cami, just the one Cami. If you get her at just the right time and she's super tired, she's still amazing. She's like perfect. Wakes up. Why are you knocking on my door? Uh, because uh, it's uh, this time and I get to. Break. I'm still waking up right now because she's trying to wake up a totally different person an hour later when she's fully awake and ready to go. Exhaustion will do that. Me this morning, I got up and went in my bedroom and thought, oh, it's going to be a fantastic, wonderful morning. And my entire bedroom is exhausted, which I slept in a different room. Not marriage troubles, toddler troubles. Our little girl was having freakouts last night and exhausted and, and waking up and freaking out. And so I went and slept in her bed. She went and slept in my bed. And I come in in the morning and everybody's exhausted. And my wife's like, nobody slept in here. <laughs> I'm like, really? Yeah, nobody slept in here. And I can see there's no blankets on the bed anymore. It's a disaster in there. I look over at Kira, and she looks at me, and she's like, where'd my blankets go? I'm like, I don't know where your blankets went, but this room doesn't even look like when I left it. But when you're tired and you're exhausted because life is happening and you're trying so hard, guess what happens? We usually get stressed out, worn out, and we don't bear very good fruit, right? Like, I'm just struggling. Well, if you're a believer and you're always trying really, really hard, to could be a great... Christian, I'm going to try to be a great believer. I'm trying to, try to be really religious. I'm going to try to say the right things, do the right things, try to do everything right. We get so worked up in trying to do everything well enough that all of a sudden we just find we're just exhausted. And Jesus is giving a recipe here that is actually about doing less in order to grow more. And so it's the same with working out. I've heard this from workout People. If you work out too much, your muscles don't have time to recover. Is that true? I have to ask somebody that's done it. It doesn't give your muscles time to recover, right? And so it doesn't actually help you the same. You have to give recovery time. There has to be rest. There has to be this ability to do it and then to rest. And so he continues to go on. He says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes to make it more fruitful. Now here's what you have to do. You have already been clean because of the word I have spoken over you. Trying to measure up, trying to be good enough, trying to get clean enough. What's it say? You've already been made clean. He already did the work. That is what the cross is all about. Like, you've already been cleansed. You've already been made okay. You don't have to do something else to measure up. Well, I know, but I want to do good things. That comes in relationship with Jesus as He stirs our heart and things happen. But this has already been done. You don't have to get yourself ready. Now, here's our job remain in me, and I will remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The fruit comes. The awesomeness that God puts in you starts coming out, right? Well, this is an amazing blueberry bush. Well, what's the amazing thing about it? Because if it doesn't actually grow the blueberries, it's just a bush that grows everywhere and gets in the way, right? We used to have raspberry and blackberry bushes when we lived in Oregon. And you know what? If they're not growing raspberries and blackberries, they're just a nightmare. They never stop growing. They have thorns everywhere. They overgrow the fence. So grow into your house. They'll kill everything around it. The only thing that actually makes them awesome is that they have the raspberries, blackberries on them, or at mom's house, the blueberries. That's what makes them awesome. So it's the fruit that comes out of our life, right? This is the expression of the awesomeness that God put in us. is the fruit that starts to bear out of our life that he originally planned for us to bear. Well, how does it come out? Well, it says right here that it comes out if we remain in him. Just as no branch can bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Well, how do you remain in him? Like, well, what am I supposed to do? How do I do that? Give me the 10 checklists. Okay, how do I remain? Because we're such doers, and we always want to get stuff done. We always want to make it happen. The even remaining is something to get done. I got it. So pastor said I have to remain, so I'm going to go home and work on that. You ever have little kids? You're at the shopping mall or at Target or somewhere, and you say, hey, just remain right here for just a second. How much work do you want them to put in? Hopefully none. Just just sit still, right? Jenna knows this. She's chasing kids everywhere. Well, you said to remain, so I was trying really hard, and I was trying to figure out where to do it. So first I went over there, and I looked in the toy section, then I went over here and looked there, and I was trying, what's the best place to remain in? How do I do it? And so I just wanted you to stand there. Just be still. Don't move. That's hard to do. Why is it hard to do? Why do we struggle so much with just being still? With just being with God, with not trying to do anything? Well, we get a little glimpse of that when we talk about just being in social situations. You get in a social situation that you're not used to and you get around people and what do you want to do? You want to give them a reason that it's okay for you to be there, right? So some people joke too much too loud and go crazy. Some people try to give stuff away. Some people try to bring extra things to the party. It's like you got to do something to like say it's okay that I'm in the room. Right? Trying to like make it all right that we're there. Or to hide some of our weaknesses or our issues and we do that. Well, he's saying it's already all right because he's already made us clean. He's already accepted us. It's already okay to be there. And so now just be still. Just be here with me. Let me work on you. Verses 5 through 8, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, now it sounds like I'm just rereading, but I'm not. He's repeating himself. Like, well, you keep losing your place in rereading. No, that's actually verses 5 through 8. If you go back to verses 1 through 4, he says the same thing. Remain in me, I'll remain in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit. You go to verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. He's repeating himself. Why do people repeat themselves? So people will listen, so they'll get it. Right? Don't make me repeat myself. Well, how do you stop somebody from repeating themselves? You listen and you get it. But he already knew they weren't going to get it. He's talking to his disciples, he's talking to other people that he'd already walked. Through life with and he saw every time he tried to get them to just be still or to do something to just pray with him to be around they were always out trying to just make something they're trying to call fire down to strike down the enemies they're trying to cut off people's ears they were throwing the kids out because they did not want kids to interfere always trying to find a way to make things better and he's like you know, just be with me follow me watch me do what i do and just stay close well as believers a lot of times we get tempted to just run around and do all of these things to be impressive Christians or to be impressive for God. All the things that we got to do. That we lose sight of that simple thing of being. I talk to so many believers I'm like, "Well, you know, do you spend any time in prayer?" Well, not really. Do you spend any time in, the, you know, just reading your Bible? I mean to. I got a reminder on my phone, but then I end up skipping it. And they do you spend any time like just the things that are just kind of sitting and being? Just being with the Lord. Just being there. Spend time talking to him. uh, Kyle tells a great story. He's told when he's preached before that he decided he was going to go walk around the lake to be with God. And he found himself after a while just walking, trying to get all these things done in prayer. And finally God just said, why, what are you doing? Just be here with me. Okay, I'll just walk around. He's going to walk around the lake. It makes room for God to just begin to speak to him because he can hear because he's not too busy. And then we hear from God, and God begins to actually move in our heart and change our heart and change our mind. Ephesians 3.20, which is on our wall out there, it says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that's at work within us. In other words, the power of God working in you can do way more than you can ask or imagine. So then why spend all of your time busy asking? Because whatever you're asking for is less than he wants to do. But we oftentimes feel the opposite way. We feel like, oh, I'm asking these prayers, and they're so big. They're so huge. And I'm not good enough. God probably wouldn't want to do that in my life. He probably wouldn't break that through. He probably wouldn't help me that way. This probably won't happen. Because I'm just a little and I'm not very good. And God's so big. But I'm going to ask him anyway. And God's looking down and saying, man, I had plans way bigger than that. Exceedingly, abundantly beyond all you can ask or imagine. Like, I, I had way bigger plans than that. And that's what you're asking for? Is that little thing? Well, how do we find out about these bigger plans? How do we find out about these ideas that God has, these things that he might want to do in our life? How do you find out what anybody else has to say? Stop and listen. You don't do anything. You just sit. And you just wait. I had a pastor from out of town come down to visit me. He wanted to see our church. And he's like a regional pastor guy. And he's over, oversees a bunch of churches and everything. And he came down he just wanted to walk around and we ended up in our office and he had something going on in his family, so I just asked him about it. He said, Well, you know, he started to tell me. And I said, Okay, well, but how's it really going? He said, Well, told me a little bit more. Next thing I know, we spent about an hour and a half and he's literally just bawling, bawling in my office, just crying, bawling. He's going through something he doesn't know how to fix. I never said anything <laughs> other than, What else? Oh, really? What else? i give advice, I didn't give him. Like, this is how you fix it. Nothing. I just sat and listened, listened, listened. And I could have strived to work and to fix and to say, man, I've got counsel for you and I got abilities for you and I could tell you what to do. And man, I, could te- I got experience and I'm going to help you. I'm going to impress you because now you're going to see that I can help you and you're supposed to be a big guy. I'm like, I just sat and was quiet and just said, you know what? We're both here. We know God loves you. Just talk, man. Let's just listen. I'll listen to you. and listen to what God wants to say. And he just sat there and just literally just wept. Like, man, I don't even know why I'm crying. I just can't stop crying. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't say anything. (laughs) But he was just being, and I was just being. We were just sitting there waiting on God while he talked. And God was moving. And we got all done after like an hour and a half, and he just goes, that thing you did. And I go, what? He's like, that thing that you did that, like, not saying anything thing? And I go, yeah. And he goes, man, that's powerful. (laughs) (laughs) He literally is like, that's powerful. And I'm like, okay. It's just God. What God wants us sometimes to do is just to make room for him to be God. Be still and know that I'm God. Not just when we're meeting with other people, but just in our own lives. Lord, I'm just going to stop and wait. And then when we hear from him, you know, take Mandela. Mandela has music and poetry and all these things that he does, right? Takes positive affirmation and and you got to be building up your own courage. David did that in the Bible. That's not totally wrong. There's goods in that. But that can go so far and then there's a certain point where sometimes you just got to be in the quiet and you got to have God remind you, no, I called you to this. I gave you this gift. I gave you this ability. And when we hear it from God, boy, it's stirs us up, gives us faith that can really take us somewhere. But it's by just being and remaining in his presence. That's what happens when we allow ourselves to just sit and just wait on God. And he'll do that in our life. We'll allow him to. He says, remain in me and I will remain in you. And then he says, for apart from me, check this out, you can do nothing. Does he really mean Nothing. In the context of Jesus' other teaching, no, that's not what he means. What he means is you can do nothing that's significant, nothing that's eternal, nothing that lasts. You can get a lot of stuff done, but Jesus also talked about things, and he's going to get to judgment. People are going to say, I prophesied in your name, and I did this in your name, and I accomplished all these amazing things. And he's going to say, do you know what? None of it means anything. Why? Depart from me because what? I don't even know you. You never remained in me. You never knew me. You never wanted to walk with me. You never wanted to talk with me. You never wanted to be with me. You, just, you were just out doing stuff. But just stop and slow down. And just be here. Just be with me. Know me. Pray. Read my word. Just be in my presence. Abide in me. It says, the one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are gathered up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, proving yourselves to be my disciples. He's saying that if you abide in me and you wait on me, guess what? There's a conversation happening. The things I'm talking to you about and putting in your heart are the things that I already want to do. So when you ask me to help you, yes, I'm in. We're partners. We're going to work on this together, we're going to walk this out together. John 15, 9, he says, as The Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. He just keeps repeating this to them. This is what I want you to do. This is how you move forward. This, this sounds simple. John 15, 10 through 11 says, If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. The word remain Right here, the actual definition is to stay, abide, remain, and it actually means to wait. To wait for, to wait on. So it's this thing where we pray, we ask God, we're seeking for something, a growth in our own life, a growth in our own emotions, a breakthrough in maybe some... Uh, relationship that we're in, some type of uh, mental block that we have, some type of old wound that we are struggling with, some type of grief that we're going through, something that we're waiting for at a job, a promotion, or maybe we're waiting because we're trying to have kids. or we're try- but Who knows? There's something, and we're there, and we're waiting. But then we get tired of waiting. We get frustrated with waiting. And we leave the, the, the connection with God, the relationship with God, because we're just going to go make it happen. Or if we can't make it happen, we just don't want to be around God because he's not coming through anyways. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be around you. I don't want to feel connected to you because you're just, I don't understand what's going on. And we move away from what God's calling us to, which is to be close and to remain and to wait because he's putting things together in the right way. He's bringing things together the way that he wants to. And so there's this idea and this concept that we go and we wait on through what? The only reason you're waiting, the only reason you're remaining is because something hasn't happened yet. It's bringing in patience, it's bringing in this longevity, this perseverance, this sitting there with God and trust, and it's developing a relationship that goes deeper, that the roots go deeper. And when we wait on him, when we allow him to do that in our life, he oftentimes deals with things that had nothing to do with what we thought we were waiting on. Something totally different happens. I thought I was waiting on this, but God's dealt with me on some other thing that I had no because it's you can see it. It, it kind of rises. It's like when the water stills and you can finally see your reflection. And I can see myself. I've been trying to wash in it all this time and I keep looking up and the guy says, well, your face is still dirty. I'm trying to wash it. Well, I just stop, let it get still and you look and you go, oh, there's the spot, I can see it now. Because you can actually see it. When we wait and we're in the stillness and we're just waiting on God, a lot of times he comes and says, no, I'm gonna help you with this. I'm going to touch you with this. This is what what the real problem is. This is what the real issue is. And then what does it say at the beginning of the chapter? That he prunes and he pulls away. Why? He prunes and pulls away because it makes room for the new to grow. For the new things to come out. So sometimes we're waiting on things, and that's what God's trying to do. He's trying to get at something that we've been too busy to allow him to work on. Allow him to get through. But he's faithful to work in us, the Bible says, he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. But it's he that works in us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. If we'll wait on him and we'll allow him to do it, he'll do it. So whether you're going through a struggle as a parent, you're going through a struggle as a kid, you're going through a struggle in a marriage, you're going through a struggle with your finances, you're like, I've been talking to God, I've been praying, I've been trying, I've been working on this, I've got a vision or a dream, God's told me to do something and I can't figure out how to get it through, I can't figure out how to do it. And all these things going on, it's like, okay, stop. Just stop. Stop trying. Stop trying to fix it. Stop working at it. And just start going to God and just spend some time with him. Just say, Lord, I don't fully understand it, but I'm here. And let God start speaking to you. Let God start working on you. Rest. The Bible says that in vain they rise up early and go to bed late. Eating the bread of anxious toil for God gives love to those he, gives his love to those, rest to those he loves. Saying it backwards. An ability to lean on him and to trust him and to bear fruit out of our lives. And he will be faithful to complete what he started. He will be faithful to bring about the fruit in your life that he's made you for. I remember when we had furniture stores, I'm going to end on this story, but we had furniture stores and I remember one time I was, Boy, it was before they were successful and I was trying to grind away and get them to be successful and I was the guy in the morning that delivered furniture. I was the guy at the store that worked the register. I was the guy at night that went and picked up furniture and delivered furniture and I would start early in the morning, go till late at night after the kids are going to bed. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm not making any money. Worn out. I had a 26-foot U-Haul truck, an old style that I don't even make anymore with no brakes, no parking brake. So I would literally park it and one time I came out, I was unloading furniture, I come out, and I look, and it's gone. Fact. And I look to my right, and it's rolling down the driveway, because I'd unloaded a piece of furniture, came back out to, you know, lock it up, and it was already rolling away, and I look, and it's rolling towards the business below me, right towards all their big glass windows, because it was a trophy store, that sold trophies and plaques and stuff, towards all their glass windows, and it's just barreling down there, and I'm like, it doesn't get worse than this. Somehow, it turned. There's nobody driving it. It curved, and it made like a 50-foot turn away from the place and ran into a concrete wall, broke the front fender off, and you'd think I'd be thankful, but I'm like, all right, God, save their business, but you still broke my U-Haul. Nothing goes good for me. Nobody cares, and this is what happens, and everything's going bad, and I was praying like, Lord, if you want me in this business, I'll stay. I will remain, but I do not want to be here, I hate this job. I don't like moving people. I don't like furniture. And I didn't come to this city, the city I was in at the time, to do furniture. I came here to help start a church that I had gone there to help start, which is what you called me for. And that seems a lot more important than driving around furniture in giant trucks with no brakes. So I'm not sure what's going on, but if you want me here, I'll stay here. But show me how to get out. Or show me that you want me here. I'm not kidding. Like 48 hours later, I get a call from this little lady at our church. She says, Andy? I'm like, yes. What are you doing? What I'm always doing? Breaking my back on furniture, wishing I could do something else. I'm getting you a new truck. I didn't even have a relationship with her, really. I said, what do you mean a new truck? She goes, you need a new moving truck for your store. I'm getting you one. I said, no, you're not buying me a truck. You can't do that. And she's like, it is my money, and I can do what I want with my money. (laughs) And you don't tell me what to do. I will get you a truck. And I'm getting it. So either tell me how much it is, or I will go get you a truck on my own. Okay. Get me a truck. And you would think I would be thankful. <laughs> it was so bad. <laughs> I hung up that phone call so mad. So depressed and so discouraged. Because it was God saying, yes, just remain where I put you. And it was the last possible thing I wanted to hear. And I literally just started crying. I just cried. Lord, I don't want to do this. I don't know how long I have to do this. I can't even take care of my family. You put other desires in my heart. I don't know why I'm here. But if this is where you want me, then I'm all in. And right after that, once my heart shifted and I said, Lord, where you are, that's all I want to do. All of a sudden our store started growing. He started giving us new ideas. We had that store grew. Then we opened another store and we got another truck. We got workers. We got a warehouse. Which which enabled us to then eventually move here and use some of those funds to move here and to start this church. But it all started by remaining somewhere that made no sense, that I wanted nothing to do with. And when I tried to pray my way out of it, God put me back in it. Here's the problem with praying, your will be done is that you have to be willing to go with it when his will is not your will. Jesus did it in the garden. If there's any other way, Lord, take this cup from me. But what? Not my will, but your will be done. And because he remained in obedience and walked in relationship with God, it set so many people free, and the ultimate fruit and the purpose of his life was fulfilled. That's an example to us. The ultimate fruit and purpose of our lives is fulfilled when we remain where God puts us in the situation that he wants us to be in and we keep surrendering it back to him and saying, Lord, give me wisdom, teach me, show me, but I wanna be where you are, walk me through this and God will bring fruit out of your situation no matter how difficult you might feel that it is at the time, amen? Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for this time together and Lord, I just pray that you would, God, just encourage some people, Lord, who may be going through some stuff they don't understand. Lord, I'm wondering, man, when's my fruit going to grow? Lord, that you do have a plan and a purpose, Lord. You are going to grow something wonderful and beautiful and amazing out of their life. Lord, their circumstance is not permanent. Lord, the trial is not forever. Lord, as they say, it's always darkest before the dawn, God. It's coming. Lord, your breakthrough's coming, Lord. Your opportunity's coming, Lord. Your, Your vision and purpose that you put in their heart, Lord, will be fulfilled. So, God, I pray that you'd give them faith and courage, Lord, to stay close to you, to abide with you, to be with you, Lord, as you take them on that journey. In Jesus' name, amen.